Season 2, Episode 6. It's the hero's journey of comics. Is this the adventure you've planned for me? Braving the winding road of geekdom. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. Sharing our advice. He believed that his example could inspire. People need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy. And exposing our mistakes. This is all going to end badly. Everybody has an agenda. Welcome to the Show Me Comicast. Welcome back to the Show Me Comicast. I'm Tim Pickerel, digital media producer for Show Me Comics. And I'm Jordan Taylor, writer for ShowMeComics.com. I write comic book scripts that eventually, sometime in the future, we'll get artwork that's put to them and we can come out with our second graphic novel. Our first graphic novel that I wrote is out now and I also write blogs for ShowMeComics.com. And I'm absent! Again? Oh, I... You know, I just sent out on Twitter that... The weather outside is frightful, but snow will not stop the Show Me Comics crew from putting on a podcast tonight. However, it did stop one of us. <sighs> it turns out, you know, all superheroes have superpowers and they also have super weaknesses. Turns out, punctuality and planning is <laughs> Sam's we- I mean, snow <laughs> is Sam's weakness. So because of that, for a second week in a row, our artist, Sam Richardson, is not here. But we like to think that he's here in spirit. Right? If that's what we have to take, that's what we'll take. The yeah. spirit of Sam lives on. I mean, we And thought, he's sitting in that chair. We thought about putting a latex bald cap on Protocon and having him <laughs> sit down here, but it just wouldn't be the same. So... Instead, Protocon's back to running the equipment, and we are in the seats running the microphones. So tonight's topic, what we want to do, is just beat the living crud out of these microphones by doing a wham-bam-thank-you-ma'am-style podcast called Microcasting. Tim, do you think you could define microcasting for our audience? In terms of microcasting, what we'll be doing today is instead of having one show dedicated to one specific topic... We're going to be taking care of multiple topics in a smaller format. Absolutely. So we're kind of narrowing our focus. And by narrowing our focus, we also kind of shrink the size of what we're talking about. A lot of times you'll hear the term microcasting associated with a geographical area. Mm -hmm. So say, uh, I want to make the best Ozark biscuits in the world. So I want to listen to a cooking show that tells me how to make Ozark biscuits. Well, a Cape Cod cooking show is not going to cover how to make those fluffy Ozark biscuits. However, you get down in them Ozark Hills, <laughs> that's where you hear a microcast that goes out specifically to one geographic audience. Meanwhile, up in, say, Cape Cod, very seafood cooking focused program goes out in a microcast of that audience. Now, a Flippin' Burgers podcast goes out into the entire country. That's a broadcast versus a microcast. Does that make sense? Yes. I'm just thinking about cod. I went to, uh, 
I went to the uh, Schlafly Neil tap- before God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we went to the Schlafly Tap Room the uh, the other day for their Cod and Cask Festival. I am a member, a car- literally card carrying member of the Schlafly Tap Room, more as a metallic keychain bottle opener carrying member. Very cool. Um, but yes, so delicious I'm very beer, and delicious fish is what I had on uh, Friday evening. So we got way off topic. <laughs> But what we meant was microcasting is a way to reach a smaller audience through a narrower focus. So all my example did was make me extremely hungry and thirsty for beer. Well, <laughs> we have some of that covered. Our, that's true. We always drink beer on the Show Me Comic Cast. Uh, don't tell uh, the authorities. <laughs> or our parents. So, well, hopefully they can't uh, take your mortgage away. Darn I'll do it in a minute! (laughs) All right, so with that flashback out of the way, we'll get right into our microcasting. What we did on this microcast topic was we reached out to a local comic book creator community and said, hey, what are some of the, you know, kind of like hot button issues or questions that you would like us to discuss on our program? Knowing that we're not the end-all, be-all authority, but that we are on the comics journey, that that hero's journey of trying to become, you know, prolific comic creators, and let's address it from our point of view. So, without further ado, the very first question slash comment that we had come up was, and I'm going to butcher these names, (laughs) but Schnuggins Caesar... And I opted for Caesar instead of Kazar. <laughs> but Schnuggin Caesar on Facebook says, Is there a gap between web comics and traditional print comics? Why? And could there ever be a resolution between the two? Let's uh let's start off with Tim. Mm-hmm. Um I guess I Well, first off, do you read a lot of web d- comics? There's some web comics that I read. Which ones do you read? There are a lot there's a lot of uh tech ones and then just a lot of goofy comedic ones like i'm a big fan of the oatmeal oh yeah right just about every uh anybody that's a developer reads uh xkcd i also see a lot of uh posts from my friends about like saturday morning breakfast cereal and uh penny arcade uh i'm familiar with both of those i'm not as big of a follower of those but there's yeah there's probably three or four that i follow and the two that i mentioned are probably the biggest ones Right on. The oatmeal isn't exactly regular, but XKCD is. All right. So with knowing that what you read, I kind of read what I just mentioned. Mm -hmm. I I read uh, Saturday morning breakfast cereal if someone else posts it. Um, And also same with Penny Arcade. But that's just if I see one of my friends that, you know, highlighted one that was really good. Right. Every once in a while, uh, more frequently as time goes on, I tune into uh, Pictures of You uh, by Gibson Twist and also Tiny Pink Robots by Rory uh, because these are some of those people that we met at the the comic group, and I'm digging their stuff, so uh, check that out. But I think probably the main one that I just stumbled into and became a fan of is called Schlock Mercenary. That's a good name. (laughs) Yeah, and that's kind of a... Uh, a sci-fi epic oh cool uh web comic so uh that's pretty much my extent on web comics but i think let's kind of get into that you know fat and gristle of the topic which is 
Is there a gap between web comics and traditional print comics? So, first of all, uh, Tim, go ahead and what's your thoughts? There, I guess, I'm trying to figure out what the gap that they're talking about would be. I mean, there's a lot of differences between the two. I mean, when you think... Well, I guess that would be the gap, then. Yeah. Whatever the differences are. Um, well, one of the the primary differences, if we're talking comics in the form of, like, strips and newspaper... The biggest gap is you can be absolutely anybody and publish a webcomic. That's true. I would think the other uh, gap is time and money. It takes you zero time and zero money to consume a webcomic. Yeah. Whereas for a traditional print, you're going to have to go to some sort of retail location and you're going to have to pony up for some kind of dough. Book, yeah. yeah. Uh, so that gap definitely exists. And that you can think of that not so much as... Oh, web comics people aren't making money. That's not what we're saying. But the barrier to entry is completely different for people. Like, if I hear, dude, you should check out Spider-Man number 27. I should check that out? Okay, I could fire up my Comixology app and pay $2.99 or $3.99. Or I can get in my car, turn the key, drive down to my comic book shop, hope that they have it, and then pay my three ninety nine. Right. That's Plus a lot. Tax. Yeah, that's a. <laughs> it's really close to April fifteenth, so don't get me <laughs> don't get me upset, Missouri. You're killing me. Um. So the difference is, hey, you should check out Tiny Pink Robots. Tiny Pink Hedger Bridger. What is that? Oh, dude, just open up your browser here. Oh, Click oh, this, this link. Is, this is kind of interesting, you know, and, and it's t- took zero investment for me to check out. Right. There's a gap. All right. So for Schnugan's, uh Kazar, <laughs> that uh, answers that part of the gap. Now, creatively, what is the gap? If we're going back to comic strips like you'd see in the newspaper, you're still dealing with publishers, probably. Well, I think you hit on something there is webcomics have replaced newspaper strips. I, don't, I can't remember the last time I've actually opened up a paper and read a comics page. I can't remember the last time I saw a paper. Like, I li- think there's some sitting in my driveway. Like, maybe if I go into McDonald's, I think they sell USA Today, mm-hmm. but I don't go to McDonald's anymore. Um, but, no, if I don't see it in a machine outside of a gas station, I don't see newspapers. Right. I legitimately, I don't. Um, so I think they really have taken over. They've taken that format, though, and preserved it. The three to four panel daily, and then the every once in a while. Remember how Sunday strips used to kind of expand? Ones. Yeah, like the and, Calvin and Hobbes one would be like half the page and on the weekends. Right. And- In fact, the way that I, uh, or I've listened to the creator of Schlock Mercenary, that sci-fi uh, humor one that I, I check out mm-hmm. and he said he basically learned everything he needs to know from that format He so every day he comes out with one on the weekdays it's a three to four panel strip on the weekends sometimes you get a double line strip you know so a, a total of six to eight panels and then uh, sometimes on Sunday he does like a half a comic book page mm-hmm. uh, so there is a gap there in the way you publish. But I think strip everything away, and we're microcasting, so we kind of want to wrap this up with a bow. Hmm. 
I think really the gap there is the fact that you can react to your audience. Yeah. So if I post five days worth of webcomic strips and I get a reaction at the end of those five days, plus not to mention all through those five days, I'm at a point where I can change the next week's strips if I want to, you know, to to kind of work with my audience like, ooh, they're really responding to character X. Let's make character X more prominent. I can do that a little bit more on the fly as somebody that takes a month to develop a print comic. Then it's another month that it, you know, sits in a buffer and goes through the printer, you know, and goes through editorial and finally gets put out and then it gets shipped and then it hits. And all of a sudden you're two months behind the actual creative inklings, you know, then fans respond. It used to be letters pages. Now they have the internet, so it's a lot faster. But still, by that time they respond, the guy's already got the other script in the can. So he's almost on two issues removed because it's a periodical genre, more like a magazine subscription. Right. You can't have that same kind of effective, you know, creative uh, dexterity. Let's call it that, creative dexterity. Hmm. That you can with a webcomic. So that's a gap. Now, because we're supposed to microcasting, let's transition to the second part of his comic. Uh, why and could there ever be a resolution between the two? Do you have thoughts on there being a resolution between the two? From my own standpoint, I'm curious why you would want a resolution between the two. You I see, th- I, I feel like you have a lot more power with the webcomic. I mean, you might not make as much money out front because you <clears> don't have like a big newspaper publisher paying you but if you can market yourself and maybe make some t-shirts or sell or compile them into a book to sell yourself i feel like you have a lot more creative liberty and you're in a much better position so when we see it say resolution i think what we mean is uh, a win-win and to get a win-win each side has to get a little bit more advantage than they previously had right so when you look at web comics, the advantage that they do not have is that physical existence and the monetary benefit that goes along with it. Right. Because like we stated earlier, you're not paying a cover price. Mm-hmm. You can just go in no investment. Aside um, from what you pay for the actual internet. Right. And then the other thing, there's got to be a sentimentality, I would think, to a web comic artist to say, oh my God, I can hold it in my hands. And I know that no matter what happens, Skynet or <laughs> or whatever lets out an EMP and it's erased, there's still copies sitting around. That's got to have some sort of sentimental value. Sure. All right. So that's the goal, the resolution for webcomics. Just by our conversation, and I think we want to revisit this in a whole episode, but just by our conversation, let's say print comics, what they're looking for is that more instantaneous feedback, you know, collaboration with the fans. That would be what they would gain that's more like a webcomic. So is there a resolution? I'll say yes for two reasons. I've already seen with a lot of webcomics what they do after they've published so many free strips and they've got enough for a book, they slap it in a book and they print up the book. Right. 
And for people that like their webcomic, now they have a collector's item. Now they've got that tactile thing that they can hold in their hand. And people, it's the same concept as television. Did I see every episode of Walker, Texas Ranger? (laughs) (laughs) Did you? No. That's just an example, though. Did I see for free every episode of Walker, Texas Ranger on TV? Technically, yes. When that Walker, Texas Ranger DVD comes out, am I going to buy it? You bet you're behind I'm going to buy that DVD collection of Walker, Texas Ranger. Same concept with the webcomic. All right, so they got that problem solved. Okay, now let's go over to the world of print comics. Could they have a resolution? I'm going to say yes if they really wanted it. I don't think they want it, but if they did. You could post every step of the process if you wanted to, from script to breakdowns to pencils to inks to colors. All that you could make transparent and get different feedback points. Do you agree? I agree. That's pretty dangerous. Mm -hmm. And it breaks the mechanism that a lot of traditional print comics have. But that's the the perception. Is it actually broken or is it just changing? That we haven't seen. We've seen the benefit with the... We also the, haven't seen a paper in however long. So. Yeah, well, you know what I mean, though? We haven't seen... We've seen webcomics adapt to becoming print. We haven't seen print comics adapt to the model of web feedback. Yeah. At least not to a whole extent. I think we spent a lot of time on that. This is supposed to be a microcasting, so let's move on. All righty. All right. Moving on. Next one comes from... Snuggin' Caesar! What? (laughs) Very active member, and we appreciate it. So, Snuggin' Caesar says, Conventions, selling comics, and how to be both seller and observer. We recently did our first selling convention. I mean, it was did. a few months back, but Tim, go ahead and tackle that one. You need to be. You need multiple people at your table. This is the big one because we definitely we took shifts for the most part. There was always somebody at the table to make sure that they were selling to give the rest of us time to walk around. If you're if you're by yourself, though, I don't know how you can do that because if you're not at your table, you're not selling. You have you're one or the other. Well, I remember one time I went to this art store. My wife and I wanted to buy a picture frame. And they were a very independently, like, family-run art store. Mm -hmm. Very good. That was the family business. They sold everything from painting materials, colored pencils, canvases, to making custom frames. We were there for a custom frame. And we walked up and... On the door was a sign that said, be back in 15 minutes. Guess what? Because that guy either needed to take a poop, (laughs) eat a hot dog, or smoke a cigarette, or whatever the heck he wanted to do. But there was the sign with a little clock with plastic hands that said, be back in. And then, you know, they turned it to, it was currently 2.30, and they turned it to 2.45. I think you could do the same thing if you were an individual at a comic convention. You could have a little sign that says, you know, you throw it up there at 3 o'clock, be back 3.15, make the rounds. 
you you're could, obviously going to lose interaction. That, but but, yeah, I mean, that's the big thing. You're going there for a picture frame. So if that's the guy that sells the frame, then you might, you'll probably stick around for the 15 minutes. If you're at a table with a bunch of other people well, that are at a table, then that's the funny moving. thing is I didn't stick around because next door there was a brewery. <laughs> so I went to the brewery and I had a beer and shot the stuff, you know, and then when I walked out, magic, he was back. Okay. So, yes, you. there's a little bit of a trade-off. You're not there to actively sell. Um, but if the person was specifically looking for you or it piqued their interest, at least they know that you'll be back. It's not like empty table, WTF, you know, forget it. And I leave. Like, let's say they were actually leaving the convention, but they were interested in you. Mm-hmm. They know, oh, you know, I was ready to leave. This was my last stop. But now I know that I, if I just stick around for another 15 minutes, I can hit my last goal. So that's a little bit different. But uh, the other thing I, I feel like this is a really good question for us. Because one of the things we're about to do is go out to North Carolina uh, to a thing called Heroes Con. And there's going to be a lot of big people there. Kevin Eastman. I'm a huge Ninja Turtles comic fan. Yeah, you are. Kevin Eastman's going to be there. How do I not just stand in line for two hours to get at Kevin Eastman? The answer is, I'm there on business. I'm there to work. Right? Right. Period. So, the answer to your question, uh, Schnuggins, is uh, selling comics how to be both seller and observer, you can't. Right. You're either one or the other. Now, you can make exceptions if you have a partner or if something's really important to you, but let you can't be both. You're either one or the other. When you step away from your table, when you put that be back in 15 minutes sign up, you've said, I have chosen to be an observer for 15 minutes. I have given up 15 minutes of seller time to be an observer. Right. I mean, we're going to be at Wizard World St. Louis, and their guest list is huge. There's Bruce a whole- Campbell! Exactly. Nathan <laughs> Fillion. There, I could easily spend $500 just for photo ops. Right. <laughs> Am I going to spend all that time in line? Uh, probably not, but... Now, the other thing is, on the flip side of that, as a seller, networking is important. Right. Okay, so... and, and this sell your comic to yeah. <laughs> Eastman. But this is what I want to bring up as the last point is... So he said, how do you be both seller and observer? And I would say there is one way to be both seller and observer. Okay? And that we I learned this for myself at the last con is there were some guys from Image at the last con, right? And I, I was fans of them, and I wanted to check their stuff out. And I went over to them, and I said, uh, this was the first table I approached. It was the first thing, the first morning of the con. And I said, hey, you know, made the small talk. I really like your stuff. Uh, good to be here with you, and notice that with you, mm-hmm. not for you, but with you. Good to be here with you. You know, hey, we're actually right down the uh, the hall here. We've got our own table. If you guys get a chance, come check us out. And it just kind of came out naturally. But then I started repeating that all over the con, and 
what that did was that changed the relationship instantly when you were talking to someone you were observing right. by saying, I'm one of you. That doesn't mean you don't get to be a fan, but actually it just adds on a little bit of a bonus. And I can't tell you how many people we went and I would go and I would buy their comics or I would talk to them about their projects. And then later on, when they were walking down and they saw me, they would stop and come to our table in a in a form of mutual respect, you right. know, and like, okay, let me check out your project. And if they found it cool, they then I was seller and observer. You know what I mean? I was observer earlier, let them know I was a seller. Later on, they reciprocated and did the same thing and came and I knew they were a seller, but when they were at my table, they were observers. So the answer is that's how you do it. Don't be shy. Don't pretend like you're not on the same level. When I go to Heroes Con and I go to talk to Matt Fraction, I'm going to let him know that I am exhibiting just the same as he is. He's a comic book writer. I'm a comic book writer. And while he might have a lot more heat on him and high profile, we're exhibiting at the same con and we're both selling our comics. We're peers for all intents and purposes. Absolutely. Don't forget that. Now it's time to take a break for our sponsor because we can't just do this for free, even though we have been. So <laughs> if you'd like to help us out, please visit audibletrial.com slash Show me comics, all one word, all lowercase. That's the way you do it. If you don't know what Audible is, it's the premier service in audio entertainment. Second place under showmecomics.com. <laughs> but what they're going to deliver you is over 100,000 audio titles to enjoy. This includes radio programs, books, uh, you know, live recordings, especially historical um, but what we want to direct you to today is because we're talking about all things comic-related, we want to go back to one of the greats, one of the masters. And what you're going to get for free if you go to audibletrial.com slash showmecomics is a 12-hour and 45-minute audiobook that you can listen to on your commute, uh, while you're shoveling snow, while you're brushing your teeth. Will Eisner, A Dreamer's Life in Comics. Will Eisner, one of the greats, if he was here microcasting with us, he'd have the answer to every question. But basically, what this is, it delves beneath Eisner's public persona to draw connections between his life and his art. And it talks about his career that spanned a remarkable eight decades, from his scrappy survival at the dawn of comics' golden age in the late 1930s to the beginning of the 21st century. There's no reason to not pick this up great book and it will definitely help you as a comics creator to just know all about will eisner and, and how he just informed the comics world and what you could learn from him all right ready to move on to the next one might as well schnookin caesar no just kidding <laughs> <laughs> all right welcome to the schnookin caesar show <laughs> yeah you mean schnookin's Kazar? all right Max, I apologize. <laughs> it's hard to say this last name, and I always want to say it differently. So Maximilian 
Zimmerman, I'm going to say, but I like to say Scissorman because <laughs> it reminds me of Cutman from Mega, Mega Man. Man. Yeah. It's cool to think of Max with a pair of shears on his head <laughs> and a mask. So I'm going to say Maximilian Scissorman says, How about the changing demographics slash markets for comics? They're not just for adolescent males anymore. And Tim, I believe you just pulled up a fact on the web that you shared with me before we went on air about something like this. We actually, I actually read a um, article online earlier this evening from a couple days ago. There was uh, some market research done that showed that forty six point seven. It's actually forty six point six seven. I decided to round up to that tenth of a place uh, are actually female, which was way higher than I was expecting. Just under half the comic readership is female. Uh, Whereas mostly, I would say that the perception in popular culture is that it's a guy thing. Right. And a young guy thing. But I don't even... I'm not not entirely sure I remember when the last time I saw like a really young kid in a comic book store. uh, Today. Okay. It was my kids, though. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> anyway, Cutman says uh, they're not just for adolescent males anymore. And you know what I think is so messed up about this? Uh, and it seems like comics is almost stuck an era behind where we really are in terms of perception, you know? Okay. Like, r- perception and reality being two totally different things. So, Tim, I'm going to ask you a series of questions. Okay. Are you ready? Wait a second. Yes. All right. Protocon, does he look ready? Do a bio scan. Okay, he's ready. So, who listens to music more, males or females? I think (laughs) it's probably equal. (laughs) Who do you think reads books more, males or females? I still think it's probably equal. Who do you think goes to the movies more, males or females? Probably equal. Who do you think uses toilet paper more? (laughs) (laughs) Definitely females. That's not fair. That's not fair. Definitely females. Who do you think brushes their teeth more? Hopefully equal. Equal. All right. Who do you think reads comic books more? (laughs) Males. Males, yeah! We're the comic book men. Thanks a lot, Kevin Smith. (laughs) For some reason, so what I mentioned earlier, other than brushing your teeth and using toilet paper, are all forms of entertainment, right? Mm -hmm. Reading, watching movies, listening to music. But for some reason, we think comic books... Strictly the domain (laughs) domain of males. Yeah, are different. And so comic books being halfway between regular books and movies, books equal, movies equal, comic books not equal, that doesn't make sense. It doesn't. And it seems like, based on this poll and the stat that you found out, it's pretty close to equal. Not as close as you would think that it should be, but more close than I would say the average perception is. So he says changing demographics, I would say more like finally getting the credit they deserve demographics. Right. I think as a creator, it's important to 
know of the changes in demographics and adapt accordingly. Because I still think there's a lot of creators that still kind of like we we've done many stories like on questionable things that DC has done because they still have even they have the young adolescent male mindset of right. who reads their comics. Now, what I will say is that the demographic spread can be influenced by the subject matter. Totally. Because it, it's kind of like, um, you know, there's a take BET, okay? And okay. hopefully I don't step in it here, you know. <laughs> but uh, BET was almost a response to no leading males being black in popular entertainment. Okay. So instead, it went to a niche channel that that's all it was. Which, personally, I think, you know, is kind of the... It's not the best alternative you could think of. The best alternative you could think of was, you know, every few shows you get a Cosby show. You know what I mean? That's what you would hope for. Not you get a niche channel that the rest of society can ignore. Right. You know what I mean? So, Mm -hmm. I think comics could be in danger of doing the same thing if they're not careful whereas hey are are our female audience is our elderly audience is our minority audience you know whether that be uh hispanic or muslim or black or whatever are these underrepresented audiences yes how do they get incorporated do we shove them into a niche do we have a special label for female comics or do we actually strengthen the entire world of comics to where it's almost a non-issue and we embrace the hey who listens to music who reads books who goes to the movies who reads comics equal 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 right um i think the subject matter has an important role to play so hopefully cut man that touched on your topic a little <laughs> bit you think so? I think so. No, okay. So, moving on. In our microcasting segment, we have from Caitlin Moriarty on Facebook says, What is the importance of networking with other comic creators and small local comic groups? What is the importance? Or highlight the importance of. It's very important. <laughs> I would completely agree with that. I mean, we're coming up almost. I don't on the, know if there's anything more important. I would if say you're starting out. Yeah, I mean, the having a story to tell is probably more important. Well, you know, if you're, I, I'm assuming for the sake of argument, you already have the story to tell. Yeah, there's really nothing more important than that. I mean, if you want to think analogy wise, it's like what's the second most or, or what's as important as a kid going to school? A kid having a family. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so what's as important as people learning how to write and draw? Having a family. And that family, in terms of comic books, what we found was, fortunately, we there's a local group called the Comic Creators Coffee Club, abbreviated as C4, that... I mean, all these microcast questions that we're reading tonight and comments come from that C4 group. The printer that we use from our, for our comic comes from that C4 group. 
the heads up advice for the different conventions we've hit has come from that C4 group. So, I mean, do you have anything else to add there, Tim? Every advantage that we've had going into our own endeavor with Hafu is because of networking with other like-minded people. Absolutely. And not only that, but, I mean, just uh, finding like-minded individuals that you can have an awesome conversation with and establish friendships with, that in and of itself, I mean... Who cares how many comics you sell? How what kind of dollar value can you put on that versus having a friendship or having an awesome, you know, connection with another human being? What do you what dollar amount do you put on that? Right. They're not mutually exclusive. You can have both. So but that's just to say that the benefits that you're gonna get through networking are not just Hey, introduce me to so and so, or hook me up with a printer, or tell me not to mess up at cons. It's hey, I got to meet somebody pretty cool. I would say that's a huge importance of networking huge and local importance. groups. Um, but the local groups are very important because it, it's a lot more real, I would say, than than somebody you meet over the internet. Uh, we had a discussion in our marketing episode about you cannot completely sever boots on the ground from the tool that the internet is. Right. And I would say that's the most important thing when it comes to local groups. You will get more benefit out of a local group than you will at any contact unless it's, you know, the publisher of DC or Marvel or something like that. That's a pretty good contact. Or if you're a real jerk. If you just hook up, like, say, with... uh, some people in Greenland <laughs> that make comics and you're you're in uh Australia, that's gonna be a lot different than if you meet up, you know, Melbourne and Sydney. That's right. way different. I don't know how far they are apart, they're probably pretty far apart. That's a huge a country. <laughs> but uh you get what I mean. I get what you mean. All right. Caitlin, thanks. Thanks for the topic. We're gonna transition to one more thing, and this one comes from Snow Ogin's Kai Seer. Writing habits and how to break them. This also goes the same with drawing habits. And I assume that they mean bad habits, because if you want to break it, it's a bad habit, right? Right. Okay, so let's start. You know, Tim, fancy yourself a writer. Let's start with your bad writing habits. What have you experienced and how have you broken it? I don't know if I'm aware of my bad writing habits. <laughs> you, have you ever been aware of something that you've changed? One of the things that I used to have problems with when I had first started playing around with writing was point of view. Okay. I wouldn't stick with a... When I, when I was writing, let's say I was writing a chapter of something, I would immediately jump points of view, not even from like section to section, because you can do that if you frame it right but like within from sentence to sentence like john saw the look on harry's face harry was thinking this well you're, you've automat you've you're in the heads of two different people at one time and it's it, that's a hard one i mean if your character's professor xavier that's fine right but a lot of writers don't realize it it's simple language that messes up point of view so in a comic, you could have somebody say, 
hey, you no good ne'er-do-well, don't go out that door. What you, know? you doing up here, pencil neck? And then the narration box says, I didn't want that ne'er-do-well to go because I loved her. And I knew that she loved me, too. How did you know? You mean you thought that she loved you, too? You know what I mean? It, you're kind of breaking viewpoint there. Well, mine was mine was one worse. It It would be like... And she knew as she was walking away that she loved him, too. Yeah, like and, from, and that's an extrapolation that's even worse. You know, how right. did he know that she knew? And that sounds, like, so silly, but it's not. Uh, the other thing is, you know, uh, you have a thought balloon that says, you know, as I stared across the room, he said nothing to me because he was angry. Now, that's an assumption, you know, if you change the word, and he said nothing to me, most likely because he was angry. That's way different than because he was angry. Because he was angry says you can read his thoughts. Does that make sense, or is this too abstract of an example? Um, no, it works. Unless you've already established yeah, in a previous scene that he was angry. Well, if actions show anger... It's a little bit different. Or if words show anger, instead it's just like you're presuming. Right. Unless the uh, character unless the character presumes. Right. But uh I mean, I think it's hard to say an example in a narrative comic box. We're kind of talking about prose. Right. You know? It's like he threw something in anger. Well, how did you you can't know that as the character. You can't know that that person was angry. You know, now if you say he threw a hammer at me in anger, that's presuming. If you say he threw a hammer and that's how I knew he was angry, that's different. That's perception. Right. So that's kind of what you're talking about on point of view? Yeah, kind of. Okay. Well, that could be a bad bad habit is just not knowing point of view very well. Right, and I didn't when I was however old when I had Maybe we can cut most writing. of those examples out. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, and the way I got around that was I just, as I read more myself, like when I started reading like a book a week, right. I just picked up on it. And I knew it's like, I am doing this way wrong. And that's really good advice. The more, the best writers are the best readers. And as far as comic book goes, I have not actually sat down and written a comic book script. Okay. Well, I have. And let me tell you what my bad habit was. My bad habit was having characters do cool stuff to be cool and never changing. Okay. Like, the bad guy started out doing really mean stuff. In the middle of the story, he did really mean stuff. At the end of the story, he did really mean stuff. It was all really cool. This would look cool on the page. But he didn't change. There was no arc. It was a flat line. The main character. Oh, the main character is an awesome fighter. You know, they're really super athletic. They start out super athletic, they learn fighting and employ that through their super athleticism, and in the 
boss battle. They really take that athleticism and fighting skill, and they're awesome, and it's cool. They didn't change this character. And you also didn't give any dramatic example of maybe this character could lose. Yeah, exactly. It was just, hey, let's have the bad guy be cool, the good guy be cool, every other character be cool, do cool stuff, it'll be cool. But there was never a point where I grew into something or out of something. There was no change. It was all vanilla. It was the best tasting vanilla you've ever freaking tasted. (laughs) But it was always vanilla. Um, So that was my bad habit is not realizing like just throwing everything that's cool does not tell a story. A story is change. And without change, just throwing different circumstances at a character and never having... Like, I just had a Facebook argument with somebody the other day. Oh, no. Yeah, and it was political, right? Oh, okay. So, I said, uh, something, 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 blah, 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 blah. I could see Political. I could, I could see how you'd get an argument over something like that. Yeah. So I, what did you even say? I said, uh, freedom, 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 and taxes. That's what I said. <laughs> and they said, blah, 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 blah. You know, when you were 18, you said, freedom, freedom, no taxes, freedom. And I'm like, I, here's what my response was. And, and I'm just filling those terms was it, in. I was 18? What the hell did I, I said, know about the world? It, it pretty much, I said, you know, I was 18 when I thought said way. I'm 30 now. And guess what? Someday, 50-year-old Jordan is going to think that 30-year-old Jordan was an idiot. If you, uh, if you go 12 years... And you haven't changed your mind on a lot of things. There's something seriously wrong with you. Right. And I'm not advocating for any, you know, political thing one way or other. What I'm saying is change is real. So when you read a story and a character goes through crazy plot events and doesn't change, that's ridiculous. That was my bad writing habit. I would throw in so many crazy plot things that happen without any changes to any characters and it's like dude if a bomb goes off in your face you're gonna change i mean uh what was the one of the recent marvel uh iron man 3 didn't he have like ptsd yeah based on what happened in, in the, the avengers. avengers man pretty cool you know his character changed he went from being super arrogant to very unsure of himself Based on a plot point. Now take the same thing. Same plot point. Super arrogant. Plot point happens. Super arrogant. What? Not as intriguing. So that was my bad writing habit was people not changing. Right. Cut man. Does that answer your question? It sure does. (laughs) No, he's not here. (laughs) As far as artistic bad habits, I know that cut man is quite the artist. He's not here. Maybe when he comes here, he can answer. But Sam, you're not... Nope, you're still not here. Um, so you can't well, answer that question spirit. either. Well, it smells like teen spirit. <laughs> which is pretty doggone awful. It smells a lot like Axe body spray. So I think that this brings us to the end of our microcasting. 
Would you say? Yeah, I think we've uh, we've covered quite a bit. Yeah, we've covered some good territory, and hopefully that person in the Ozarks now knows how to make their biscuits, and that person up in Cape Cod knows how to make that mean seafood. <laughs> right, schnuggins? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so on behalf of... Show Me Comics, this is Tim and Jordan wishing you the best in your creative endeavors. And if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to us on iTunes, five star, and give us a review. That's super important. Everybody out there, we have, what, an average of however many jillion listeners that uh, listens every week. Give us a rating on iTunes. All you have to do is rate it four or five stars and do an exclamation point. You don't even have to write a comment, you know. Well, it's nice if you would. It's nice because the better feedback, the better the show gets. But in all honesty, it helps us reach more people because when it hits the search results, we're more apt to come up when they search for comic books or literature or things like that if we have more ratings and and a high star value. So please go do that. The other thing is if you are a reader of anything at showmecomics.com that I write, please let, drop me a comment. Let me know. I I'm dying to interact with uh, you know, the fans out there and fellow creators. So um, if you are a reader and I know that you're out there, give me hit hit me up, you know, and I would love to engage with you. Wait, wait, wait. The ghost of Sam is possessing me. Okay, here it comes. He wants me to let everybody know that if you go to showmecomics.com, you can pick up your own copy of our 64-page full-color full graphic novel, Hafu, for only $9.99 plus shipping. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm going to have to get a Ouija board out to see what the ghost of Sam wants next. All right, I got my hands on the Ouija board. It's moving. T. Oh, it's moving again. W. It's moving again. I. T. T-E-R. Twitter. (laughs) Ghost of Sam, tell us. And follow us on Twitter at Show Me Comics and like us on Facebook. And what is our Facebook? Hafu Graphic Novel. And if you have chains that you would like to send him for his tires (laughs) so he can get through the snow, even though uh, I'm pretty sure his father is... You know, an interstate truck driver, you'd think he would have passed him on some sort of driving in the snow skills. Um, but, you know. I hear it skips a generation. Oh, you're right. Kind of like male pattern baldness, you yes. know. So, male pattern uh, truck driverness skips a generation. <laughs> anyway, we hope to have him back next week. Would that restart the ending? <laughs> yeah, that would we restart hope to the have ending. Him back. All right, so we hope to have him back next week. And then your sound effect to close the show. Yeah, I'm trying to think of a good sound effect.